Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to the first message of our year-end series. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. I just want to share our opening passage of Scripture this morning. Just so excited to share with you guys. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, By the grace God has given me. How many guys know you're only here by grace? By the grace God has given to me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one which is laid in Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light, and it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. You guys ready to go this morning? Anyone excited to be in church this morning? I wanna call our message this morning, Paper Kingdoms. Paper Kingdoms. Uh, Can we just, before you sit down, can you turn to the person next to you and just say, hello, welcome to church. So glad you're here this morning. (laughs) You can be seated. Thank you so much uh, to our worship team. Hey, can we give a round of applause one more time for our worship So good. So glad to be here. Hey, if you're new this morning or visiting, my name's Harrison. I'm the pastor here. And just want to say I'm honored that you took the time to be here uh, on this beautiful day. Uh, I haven't spoke in a couple weeks, and so I'm just super excited to share what God's placed uh, on my heart. Super excited for this season and all that God's doing and is about to do. Uh, Now, the reason that I haven't spoke for a few weeks is that uh, about three weeks ago, my wife gave birth to a beautiful, healthy boy. Uh, His name is Judah, and Judah's in the building today for the very first time uh, he's here. And so I just know that today is going to be a blessed service because my son is in the building, and I've never been able to say that before. My son is in the building. Come on. So just pump for that, pump for uh, the baptism that's going to take place after. Um, But as I said, just had a brand new son, and uh, it's been weird, kind of like the journey uh, that I've gone on. As I said, uh, he was born three weeks ago tomorrow, and it's weird because, like, he's a brand new baby and a brand new baby in our home, but he's not the first baby that's been in our home. Uh, If you guys don't know, uh, literally, like, two years ago, we had twin girls, and they actually like literally just turned two. Their birthday was last week. And uh, so at one time in my life, we had two brand new babies in our home. And so what's been weird about this season is that when, when Judah was born, I kind of just assumed because I've been there and I've done that. When the brand new baby came home, um, I would just immediately once again be an expert. Now, I think like maybe ladies, like I I do think it's like just there all the time, never leaves, not for a moment. But for for me, um, I kind of just assumed it would always be there. Then he was born. And it was really weird because when he was born, I was just kind of like, oh, my gosh, like what is this creature? (laughs) Like he's so small. He's so tiny. Uh, And like all of the things 
that I had once done with the girls that I was a pro at. And you need to understand when I say pro, I was a pro. Like I was a daddy of the year kind of thing. Like I had, I had skills with those girls. Like no one could put them in their onesies like I could put them in their onesies. You need to understand, no one could burp those babies like I could burp those babies. Now, you may think like maybe my spiritual giftedness is to teach and to preach. No, it's to burp twins. That's what God has gifted me. And I, I literally used to do this thing where I'd have both of them, one on each shoulder, and I'd burp them at the exact same time and walk around the house. And so it's been so weird when I have one little boy and I bring him close to me and I don't know how to burp him. I'm like, why does this feel so weird? Why does this feel so foreign? I used to be so good. And like, I'm getting better. We're, we're three weeks in. Uh, but it was so weird because I just realized, like, although I, I may at one time have been really skilled or really good at it, um, I realized that when you don't put it into practice, you kind of just use it. You lose it. And I just, as I was thinking about it th this last week, I thought there was something so spiritual about it. Because I think the very same thing happens when it comes to faith. And the very same thing happens when it comes to following after Jesus. I would say it like this. If you don't use it, and maybe a better way to say it is if you don't renew it, you're going to lose it. Because like, have we been there before, any of us? We're like at one time and at one season you were really good at something when it came to your walk with Jesus. Like you felt the power, you felt the presence of Jesus. Like, I talked to those people. I was like, man, you would not believe what God did on that mission trip in 2001. God moved, and I felt so close to the Lord. And I don't want to make anyone feel old, but 2001 was 20 years ago. Can you believe that, 20 years ago? For some of us, it's like, man, like, I remember the first time I read through my Bible. Like, I read that thing cover to cover. It was so amazing. I, my second year university. Um, but you just had your second grandkid. You guys know what I'm saying? For some of us, like, God moved so powerfully when I was seven at summer camp. But you're 17. And, and where I'm going with this is I just believe when it comes to our striving after Jesus, if we do not continually renew it, you'll actually begin to lose it. You'll begin to lose that flame. You'll begin to lose that passion. And for a lot of us, maybe we're in a place where we just wish that our walk with God, we just wish that our faith was in a place like it once was. But I just have this belief that God does not want us ever to go back, but God is always calling us forward. And maybe for some of us in the room today, you don't really have a backwards to go to because you've never really gone that far with Jesus. But that's okay because I just believe that when it comes to our walk with God, he has something new for us. I believe that new miracles require new sacrifices. I believe new, 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 new seasons, new, new, new circumstances, if we want to see the goodness of God, it's going to call for us to step into places in a new way. And, and I'm so excited because I know for a lot of us, it's like, well, Harrison, how do I do that? How do I get there? And I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited. I set it off the top. This is my favorite season um, as a church because we have a tradition here at church uh, where at the end of every year, we come together in a faith series. And this is, this is crazy for me to, to, to say, um, but what I realized is because we started in September 2018 as a church, um, this is actually our fourth year-end series, which is crazy. 
And so for those of you guys who have been here for maybe one year, two years, three years, OGs at the start, you'll know that this is a tradition that we have. Where at the end of every year, we come together in faith and we say, God, what are you calling us to do as we move forward into a new year, as we move forward into a new season? And the beauty about this series and what we're going to be talking about over the next number of weeks is, is, is theoretically, how do, I, how do I have more faith? How do I step into places? How do I make sure that I'm building my life moving forward? And, and the theory is amazing, but what I love so much about this series is the practical aspect. Because at the end of the series, what we do and what we've done every single year is we take a year-end offering. And what this offering does and what it symbolizes is this moment where for so many people, we are stepping into faith to say, Jesus, what do you have for me? God, what are you calling me to do this year? And the beauty of it, over the last three or four years, what has been so cool is that each and every year, we have people, we have stories of, of responses to God where God has called us to do something faithfully and we've stepped out and done it and our faith has been restored. And so this year, as we move into that season, I'm believing that God's done something before, but what he's done before is nothing compared to what he wants to do in the future. And so every single year, we name our offerings and we name our series. And the reason we do it is so we can remember. We can remember the faithfulness of God. Year one, my OGs, a few of you guys in the room, um, it was called Expand. It was our Expand offering. Our church was three months old. And we just said, God, you're going to expand this place. Year number two, before the darkest times of our life, um, <laughs> December 2019, uh, was called Sent. That was our offering because God is sending us out. Little did we know he was sending us out back to our homes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and year number three, uh, which was last year, was called Hope. And we just felt like, man, in a time that is so dark, God is calling us to bring hope. And that was our hope offering. And man, God did something amazing last year. And, and it was so crazy just how people showed up and how people gave. And because of that, all the things that we've been able to do as a church, all the people we've been able to bless. And I'm going to let you guys know a little bit as the series goes on. Uh, but today, and for the next number of weeks, uh, our series and our offering um, and the title, it's not going to sound actually different because we've kind of been here for the last three months, but it's just this word that God has put on my heart and it's not leaving. He's not letting me leave it. Uh, and it's just build, right? God's, God's calling us as a people to build, right? In a time where it's like, man, things aren't going back to the way they were. What is God calling us to do? God's calling us to move forward and to build. And so on December 18th and December 19th for our online family, we're going to be taking what we call our building blocks offering. And we're just believing that God is going to build something through this church in 2022. We're believing that the best is yet to come. And so come on, somebody. I'm, I'm just pumped for this series because we got four weeks to, that we get to do it. And um, Judah worked it out because the series length was going to be based on when he was born. And so... <laughs> He was born at just the right time to give us four weeks to talk about faith and four weeks that we can just begin to see what God has done, but more importantly, where God is taking us um, as a church. And so uh, this offering, we're not just giving something, we're building something, and I'm excited to build. So today, as we begin this series, I want to ask us a question, super simple. Um, what are we building? Are we building God's kingdom, or are we building something else? 
And my hope, of course, is that we can begin to build God's kingdom, um, not paper kingdoms. So uh, today I want to study 1 Corinthians and specifically chapter 3. So I'll give you guys a little context. The book of 1 Corinthians, if you're new to church, um, it's found in the New Testament. uh, And this is just after the time of Jesus. Jesus, uh, uh, he's gone, but now the church remains. And so the church in Corinth, hence the name 1 Corinthians, uh, is one of the earliest churches. And the church of Corinth was planted or started by a guy named Paul. Can you all say Paul? Super simple. This next name, a little more unique. Um, Paul leaves to go start more churches. And so a guy named Apollos comes in and he kind of becomes the pastor of the church. And so what happens in the church in Corinth, Paul gets word because Paul wrote this letter, um, is that there's this kind of this debate going on within the church. And there's a group of people in the church and they say, hey, I follow Paul. I'm an OG. I'm following Paul. Then there's some new people in the church, and they're like, I don't know Paul, but I know Apollos. I follow Apollos. Apollos is my pastor. And so we have these group of people saying, hey, in one sense, I build my identity on Paul. I'm a Paul kind of guy. Some people are like, I'm an Apollos kind of guy. Paul comes in, he gets word of this, and he says, no, 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 no. You're neither a Paul nor an Apollos guy. You need to be Jesus, people. You need to build your life on Jesus, not on me. Not on Apollos, build it on Jesus. And so Paul comes in and he answers this question, what do I build my life on? You don't build it on a person, you build it on Jesus. And so this is where we pick it up, and this is what I want to study. In verse 10, he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, By the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. I started the church, and he's like, now someone else is building on it. That's Apollos. He says, but no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is in Christ Jesus. We're just on top. We're just surface layers. Jesus is the foundation. And so what I want to look at, though, um, and I'll break down the other stuff, but I really want to start this series because it's fundamental. On the first six words of 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10, where Paul says, By the grace God has given me. The reason I was able to lay my foundation, Paul says, is because of the grace that God has given to me. The reason Apollos was able to build on what I built on, which is built on what Jesus built on or built, was because of the grace that God has given to me. You see, in this season and what we do as a church, we talk about a lot, um, we talk a lot about what we are going to do what we are going to do. We are going to build. We are going to step out in faith. We eventually are going to take an offering. But what I want us to understand as we start is that what we do must first and foremost and really always be rooted in why we do it. And Paul is rooting us in why we do anything. It's because of the grace that God has given to us. So as we start this season, this journey that we are about to go on, and I am inviting all of us as a church to come on, I want you to understand what kind of a job, I want you to understand what kind of a journey it is. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's a grace job. It's a grace job. The heart of this series is to put our faith into practice, but our faith must be built on the grace of Jesus. 
If we ever lose, if we ever miss, if we ever push ourselves aside from the grace of Jesus, we've lost the point. Now, what I want us to understand then, of course, well, what is grace? Most specifically, what is grace in the way that Jesus is describing it? What is grace, or Paul, I should say, is describing it? What is biblical grace? Now, I'm going to explain biblical grace, but I first want to tell you why grace can be so hard for us to understand. The reason that grace is hard for us to understand is because we live in a world that I think we wish was governed by karma. I think we're more karma people than we are grace people. You want to know what karma is? Karma is you get what you deserve. Super simple. I do good things, therefore I get good things. I do bad things, I get bad things. It's really like a Santa Claus belief, right? If I'm good, I get the gifts under the tree. If I'm bad, I get coal in my stocking. And I think if we're being honest, the idea of karma kind of makes sense to us as people at an intrinsic level. It's like, yeah, yeah, if I do good things, I get good things. Bad things, bad things happen. And the reason a lot of us are perplexed is because it's like, I think I do good things, yet bad things happen. Because karma in one sense, I think, makes sense to us. You get what you deserve. I think the reason that grace can be confusing is because grace is the opposite of karma. You see, karma says you get what you deserve. Grace says you get what you don't deserve. You get what you didn't earn. You get what you could not earn. And the reason this is hard is because we actually want karma to be real in one sense. And so because we so long for karma to be real, we can easily push aside grace. But here's what I want to let you know this morning for those of us that want to have more karma. I want more karma. You don't actually. You do not. Now, you want karma when, good thing, when you do good things. Right? Like if I help someone, I help the old lady cross, I want, I want good things. I want that karma, but no one wants bad karma. And here's the truth. At the very end of the day, we know this in our core for as much as we try to run, as much as we try to hide, each and every one of us do bad things. Like I can try to be good for, for a little bit. I can try to control my tongue for a little bit. But like sometimes people make it so easy to make fun of them. Like, you tempted me? Like, come on. They're just setting their... And so I try so hard to be good. But you guys been there sometimes, I'm just bad. I try so hard not to gossip, yet I still gossip. I just really want karma. No, you don't. Because when you gossip, what that means is that you should be prepared for people to gossip about you. When I treat people wrong, which I do, I should be prepared for people to treat me wrong, which I don't want. We all want karma when we do good things. None of us want karma when we do bad things. But I have some good news for you today. The Bible does not say that our world reigns with karma or is filled with karma. The Bible says that grace reigns. The Bible says that the grace of Jesus hovers over the earth. And so what that means is we don't live in a karma world. We actually live in a grace world. And because of that, we say, thank you, Jesus, because I don't actually get what I deserve. And so here's what I want us to understand as we start this season, as we understand what Paul means when he says, by the grace of Jesus. What Paul is saying 
is that I could not be anywhere without Jesus because me, as a person, who I actually am at my core, I'm not that good. I'm not that good. So you need to understand something as we start this season. If you want to feel closest to Jesus, if you want to feel the grace of Jesus most in your life, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to understand just how messed up you are. You need to understand your true condition. You see, for a lot of us, it's like, I just want some affirmation. I just need someone to hug me and cuddle me. I need to feel the spirit of Jesus telling me how good I am, how worthy I am. All that stuff is great. But it must come after it is first revealed who you actually are. Here's where I'm going with this. We live in a time and an age right now where we do not want to call sin for what it is. We want to say, actually, there's no such thing as sin. What is right is right for you. You do you, I do me. We're all just pretty good people. But it is not until I understand my true condition that I can begin to see the magnitude and the beauty of Jesus. Because it is not in finding out how great I am that my love for Jesus grows. No, 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 no. It's finding out how bad I am that the message of Jesus begins to penetrate my heart. I want you to understand something for me. Um, I've been really following Jesus for 10 years now. And in my journey of following Jesus for 10 years, um, as I draw closer to him, it is not as if I feel so much better about myself every single day. Now, I want you to understand I'm definitely not who I was. Come on, somebody. I'm growing and I'm going. But this odd thing happens as I draw closer to Jesus is that the closer I draw to Jesus the more faulty I begin to appear in my own eyes. And it'd be kind of weird, kind of frustrating because everyone's like, come to Jesus, you're going to feel so great. But as I come to Jesus, the Bible lets me know that Jesus is a light. He's a light that reveals all. I like to say it like this. When I look at Jesus, it is like looking in a mirror that is extremely bright. And what happens when you look in a mirror that is extremely bright is nothing is hidden. Y'all ever have those days? Where you look in the mirror, it's like, I need some dim lighting right now. I'm seeing a little too much right now. <laughs> you see, what's supposed to happen as we enter closer to Jesus is that we reveal who we truly are. And I'm here to tell you in the name of Jesus, who you truly are isn't that good. You got some pimples. You got some blemishes. You got some scratches. And so you're taking this all together. You're saying, hold on, Harrison. So the closer I come to Jesus, the the worse I actually see myself. The more impatient I'll understand that I truly am. The more prideful I am, I'll truly understand. Like what kind of a sales pitch is that? I don't want to feel worse about myself. You don't feel worse about yourself. You understand yourself. And here's the beauty And here's the idea of grace. You see, the reason we need to understand our sinfulness, the reason we need to call sin for what it is, is because it is only when I understand the depths of my brokenness, the depths of my badness, that I can see the magnitude of Jesus' goodness. Because what happens, and what the Bible says, and when Paul says, I'm here by grace, what he is saying is that Jesus knows fully who I am. He knows every part of me, every blemish, every bad thing. Yet instead of casting me out, instead of throwing me to the curb, he said, come home. 
And so you need to understand this. Our lives must live in this tension. And the tension is understanding the true nature of who I am, while at the same time never losing focus of the grace of Jesus. Because I live in between, where I'm not good, yet I'm affirmed in Jesus. I'm, I'm sinful, yet I'm made whole in Christ. And I know I got some things to work on, and I'm going to work on it, because a part of getting closer to Jesus means I want to be like Jesus. I want to act more like him. I want to talk more like him. I want to think more like him. But by the grace of Jesus, I am who I am. Fully known, yet fully loved. I think that's what Romans 8, Paul was trying to say when he says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither heights nor depths, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know how Paul understands the depth of the love of Jesus? It's only when he understands the depth of his sinfulness. And so if you are wondering, how come I cannot understand the goodness of Jesus? May I suggest you must first understand the brokenness of you. And so I don't live in the delusion of perfection, but I live under the scandal of grace. And so Paul, as he's trying to get this church back on mission, I can almost imagine him saying, you're trying to say you build your life on Paul? On Apollos? I don't got grace like Jesus has. I don't have what you're looking for. So we don't build on people, we don't build on things. We build on Jesus. And as we come into this season, what I want us to understand is that all that we are doing as we are posturing ourselves to give, it is a response to the grace of Jesus. Here's what I want you to understand. The grace of Jesus always merits a response. Let me say it again. The grace of Jesus merits a response. So when I understand what he's done for me, when I understand the depths of his love for me, it merits a response. In the same way, when you love a person so deeply, there is a response. I don't just sit there weirdly, I love you. <laughs> There's something inside of me that responds in love, in affirmation, in works, in gifts, in service. Why? Because love merits a response. And the grace of Jesus merits a response. And so... What I want us to understand is that when we understand the grace, now I must ask myself, God, what are you calling me to do? What are you calling me to build? And what I want to do this morning, and maybe this is the start of the journey or maybe even building something, but as we step into the light that is Jesus, what we are building will always be exposed for what it is. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 Paul says, if anyone builds on the foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light and it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. And so we have this response to Jesus. What is my response? And Paul used this metaphor. He says, when you respond to Jesus, you start to build something. When I, when, I, when I understood the grace of Jesus for the very first time, I prayed a very simple prayer. I said, Jesus, I have no clue what I'm supposed to do with my life. But whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. And God called me into ministry. And it's amazing. Here I am. Hallelujah. 
Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> but here's what I want you to understand. You may not be called to full-time pastoral ministry, but you must pray the prayer. God, what do you want me to do? God, what is it you are calling me to give? And here's what I want us to understand. Whether you give to Jesus or not, you are always giving something to someone. You are always building something. And Paul gives this list. He says gold, silver, stone, wood, hay, straw, and it gets progressively worse. And he says there's going to come a time where what you are building in your life will be exposed for what it is. So here's the question I want us to ask. I understand the grace of Jesus a little bit, hopefully. Now I ask myself, what am I currently building? What am I building? Listen, we are all building something. I was talking to a friend this week. He wanted to change a couple of things, um, have some better routines, practices, gym, spirituality, all that good stuff. And he said, you know what, Harrison, I'm just, um, I don't have good um, disciplines. My struggle is that I just don't have good disciplines. And I was like, no, no, no. You have great disciplines. You just have the wrong ones. You're disciplined in the wrong thing. You guys know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I know for a lot of us that want better disciplines, you're very disciplined in staying up late. You do it consistently and constantly. Right? Other, other, other in the spectrum. <laughs> sleeping in. Like I consistently and constantly sleep in. I am disciplined in it. Listen, I know some of you guys are so regimented. I watch two episodes a day. Finish the 18 episodes in two weeks. Is my math good there? No, one week. <laughs> Crazy people. <laughs> two a day, four on the weekends. See, a lot of us are disciplined, but the issue is that we're disciplined in the wrong things. In other words, we're putting our time, our focus, our energy, we're building kingdoms that won't last. The reason I called this sermon Paper Kingdoms is because God wants us to build a kingdom, specifically his kingdom, that the Bible says the reign will not end. That the church that God is building, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Meaning what I build in Jesus cannot, will not be destroyed. But what happens is a lot of us end up building paper kingdoms. I was struggling with this message to call it paper kingdoms, straw kingdoms. Because Paul talks about straw. I told Christy I like sandcastle kingdoms. Because you know like a sandcastle, it seems good till it rains. And the rain washes it away but we stuck with paper. Because paper is the same thing. You can build and build whatever you want with paper. It's not that strong. It can be blown down in just a moment. And what Paul says is that in verse 13, he says their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. So for a lot of us, we can feel like our lives, we have it all together. I've got a great job, I'm married, um, kids, finances, I'm in school, like life is great. But at the very end of the day, question, Harrison, how do I know I'm building a paper kingdom? It's super simple. What does your life look like when the storms of life come? What does your life look like during hard times? What Paul is saying, what the Bible says, is that there's going to come a time in each and every one of our lives where fire and it's just symbolic. It's not coming down. Don't worry. But the fire will reveal what you made your house out of. The fire will reveal what your life is built on. And for a lot of us, we've been building our lives on paper, straw, hay. 
And so what I think as I read this is that what if instead of the hard times in our life, asking God why they happened, asking God when is this going to end, what if we began to thank God for them? Because the hard times and the hard seasons of our life just reveal who we are and what our life is built on. Can I talk about COVID-19 for a moment? COVID-19, 20, 21, 22, 23? <laughs> COVID's been a hard season. I know for a lot of us, we're saying, when is it going to end? When is it going to end, Jesus? But I began to wonder, what if we, got, we began to thank God for this season? Not for like the, the stuff that's happened, the death, and none, none of that. But what if we began to say, God, thank you that you've revealed some things to me? Because for a lot of us, this season has been a crash course in adversity. And what does my life look like when things are stripped away? What does my life look like when my routines are no longer in control? I'm no longer in control. What does my life look like when I cannot do what I want to do? And what I believe one of the things that that COVID has done is it has revealed that many of us have been building the wrong kingdom. Can I tell you what I believe is a kingdom that so many of us build consciously and or subconsciously? It's a kingdom of control. It's the kingdom where I am in charge. I am the Lord of my life. I, what I say goes. No one tells me what to do. Control, control, control. The reason I think that many of us can thank God for COVID is because COVID has exposed something inside of you. You were never meant to be in control. And maybe you actually have a control problem. I don't know about you, but I have a control problem. Can I let you guys know something? I think one of the reasons that we see the vitriol and the anger and the division between the people right now in our world is because an idol has been exposed and it is the idol of control. And so what happens, we get it on both sides of the spectrum. Everyone is gripping and grasping for ways that they can get back into control. Can I tell you an example? And let's just go extreme spectrums, people. None of you guys are like this. But it's the people during COVID where all they could do was tell other people what to do. And not what to do. You must do this. You must not do that. You must wear 14 masks. You must, 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 so on, so on, so forth. Like I said, none of you people, just extremes. And and really, there's this illusion where it's like, well, I just want everyone to be safe. I think that's a part of it. But I also think a bigger part of it is that you are trying to grasp onto a control that you have lost. And so one of the best ways to grasp onto control that you've lost is try to control what you can control knowing full well you can't actually control anything. And then we get the opposite end of the spectrum. And what I want us to see, it's two sides of the same coin. But it's the people where because they've lost control, they no longer have the freedoms that they once had, they're doing anything in their power to take back that control. Well, you don't tell me what to do. I'm not going to do that. I know the rules. I'm not going to do that because I'm in control. And I actually believe one of the reasons that this season has brought so much division is because both sides of the spectrum are actually more alike than they know. I kind of have a theory that conflict isn't usually with opposites, but it's with people that are very, very similar, but just can't see their similarities. And so what this season has done, I think, for a lot of us, and has done it for me, you can find what side of the spectrum I'm on if you talk to me. I'm not going to tell you up here. But what I realize is that maybe I'm just trying to grasp for a control that I was never meant to have because Jesus was the one I was always supposed to build on. And so we need to thank God 
for hard times because what hard times do is they let us know, man, maybe I was just building a paper kingdom. Maybe my kingdom was just an illusion. And Jesus wants to build something better. Jesus wants to build something long-lasting. You see, in this series, I'm going to talk a lot about money and finances. So thank you so much for being here this week. Please come back next week. Because I know a lot of people are like, don't talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk, no, not that. <laughs> but the reason I'm going to talk about it is because what many of us need to understand, and maybe we know it already, is that we are literally building paper kingdoms. Like, paper kingdoms. Where we chase and we chase and we chase. For a lot of us, we tie our identity into money into our finances, into our worth. We tie our peace into them. We tie our purpose into them. But I'm here to tell you today that that kingdom is not a long-standing kingdom. And even more than that, it will not satisfy the deepest desires of your soul. Your soul is not to have more money. It's to live in purpose. It's to follow after the one that your heart actually desires. And so one of the things that we do when we take this offering is we are reorientating the kingdom of our life to say, Jesus, what are you calling me to give? I'm not in control, you are. You need to understand this offering, the reason we call it an offering, and it differs in a tithe, I'll explain that in a second, is because an offering is above and beyond. It's literally, Jesus, what are you calling me to give? Now, tithing is an amazing principle as well. What tithing is, is to give the first 10% to God of your income. And the reason it's an amazing practice is because whether we like it or not, every single one of us must build, at least in some semblance, a paper kingdom. We have to. We need a house. We need food. So we, there, there's a necessity to it. But what the principle and the practice of tithing does is it says, God, before any of that, before I build my kingdom, which I have to by necessity, I'm going to choose to build yours. And so each and every time I get something, I give it away. Why? Because when I do that, it loosens the grip of control. To say, Jesus, this is yours first and foremost. Your will be done. You are in control. You see, what I want us to, 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 to see today is to ask this question, what have I been building on? And maybe it's, you know, not control. Maybe it's not money. But maybe for some of us, it's self-image. Right? My identity is in my beauty. It's in my Instagram account. It's in my social media. It's in the compliments that I get. And it's really great when you get 150 likes, not so much when you get 15. But what I want you to understand is that beauty fades. The Bible says, here for a moment, gone the next day. Money is temporary. Houses are temporary. Listen, your job is temporary. You will not do it forever. And what you do is never as important as who you do it for. And so we're trying to build our lives in Jesus, in a firm foundation. And so Paul says, and this is interesting, he says, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. This is so interesting. You want to know what he's saying? He's saying, you can build your life in the wrong things. You can build it in beauty, money, houses, cars, freedom, whatever. He's like, but if you're in Jesus, guess what? You're okay. 
you're gonna be saved. Your salvation is secure. Just put your hope, put your faith in Jesus. But I love what he says. He says, they'll be saved, barely, as one escaping through the flames. Like they just got out. Now, here's where I wanna go with this. The call that Jesus has for each and every one of us is not simply to get to heaven. It's not just to be saved. I'm gonna let you know something so, so simple. You want, sa- you want to be saved? You want to experience salvation? All you have to do is say, Jesus, I invite you to be Lord of my life. I repent of my sins. And Jesus, I repent of how I used to do things. I wanna live in your grace. And guess what? The moment you pray that prayer with your heart, you believe it, you confess, you repent. Guess what? You are saved. You're sealed. You're secure. But what I want to suggest in this moment, in this season, specifically for those of us that have been in church for a long time, you were saved 40 years ago. The calling on your life is so much higher than just salvation. Jesus has something for you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. He wants to build something. Paul says, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. You want to know what that means? It means when I build something that is long lasting, it's going to last the trials of life. It's going to last the fires of life. And the reward that you will receive will be the lives of other people that have been touched. Listen, when we give this offering in a number of weeks, it's not about what we're doing, but it's about the lives that will be reached. It's about the people that will be touched. It's about the gifts that will be given in the name of Jesus. And so the good news, it's like Harrison, man, like how do I start building? Like, What do I do? Like, I don't know if I have it in me. Look at the words again. Paul says, I've laid a foundation. Someone else is building on it, but no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is in Christ Jesus. So here's the good news. You wanna build something, the hard work's already been done. The foundation has been set. Jesus has done what you could not do, which is garner your salvation. Christians spend so many times trying to be made right with God. Jesus already did that. So I need to spend less time trying to be made right with God and live in the freedom that I'm saved through Jesus, live in the purpose that God has a plan for my life. And so Paul says, I built something and someone else is gonna build on it. What what if what we were building in this season wasn't just for you? but for someone else to build on as well? What if there was a legacy that God wants to start in this season through you? A legacy of faith. You're like, Harrison, no one in my family is Christians. Amazing. The legacy starts with you. It starts today. God wants to build something today. And so this morning, as we enter into this season, I want to posture our hearts to say, Jesus, I'm open and available to what you want to build. God, I'm laying something today that in the future, someone else can build upon. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message encouraged and inspired you. If you want more information, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We'd love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.